Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days. Today we have the one, the only, the great Mr. Spudweb. I know if there's anybody in the audience right now who's, I mean, 25 years or older, they know who Spudweb is. Uh, but if, but if not, we're going to get into it today. You're going to want to stay tuned to the show. Real quick, before we get into that, I just want to give a shout out to HGA, our partner, and the people in the queue. We've gotten amazing feedback about these interviews. And if it wasn't for our audience, if it wasn't for the people listening and watching and supporting, we wouldn't be doing these. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to go right into it because, I mean, your claim to fame is beating Dominique Wilkins in the 1986 slam dunk competition what was that like what was going through your head before that uh before that event mr spudweb i'm really really excited and grateful to have you on the show today well uh before the dunk contest i was just trying to play in the nba that was the farthest thing from my mind now being in a dunk contest and especially going against dominique which is i think is the best dunk in the history of the nba and a good friend so uh uh you know that uh you know you just wanted to participate you wanted to uh uh, go out and try to win the win the dunk contest. I was too busy trying to make the NBA team and stay on the NBA team than than uh, going around trying to win a dunk contest. So uh, I just just in my mind, I knew the dunks I could do. So I just went out and uh, you know did <clears throat> the repertoire dunks that I could do. I, I was going I was going to introduce you and say you know this guy is a true testament of heart over talent, but it's both because you don't get to the NBA without talent. But you have tremendous heart. So talk to us. What's that journey like? I mean, people forget when, when you get to the NBA, it's the top 350 players in the whole world. Yeah, it's, Think no, about bust. How- it's no bust in the NBA. You, you, you're you on the NBA team. If you're at the end of the bench, you're a success story. So uh, just to uh, get the opportunity to play uh, 12 years in the NBA, you know, most people like look at you and go, oh, you want a dunk contest? But I actually had stats <laughs> in over 800 <laughs> games and sometimes – uh, you know, when I get uh, uh, interviewed or uh, introduced, it's always just the NBA slam dunk champ. It's never 12-year NBA vet and these minutes. That's like uh, my buddies was calling me like, man, you had 18 assists in a playoff game. Yeah, I did play. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's along those things. But, uh, you know, uh, God given me the gift of playing the NBA. So I just try to work hard so I can stay there and get better. And that's what I tried to do over my 12 year career is try to get better every year. For sure. I mean, you had over 8,000 points over 4,000 assists. And I mean, I looked at some of the players you played and what the things that they've said, you know, they, they've only spoken uh, amazing things about you as a teammate, as a friend, uh, as a mentor. So you're, you're absolutely right. The 12 year career uh, uh, trumps the, the dunk contest. I, I'm in total agreement. Well, listen, he's talking about improving year over year, right? So let's just talk about the, the topic du jour of the, of the NBA today because, uh, you know, I'm waiting for Ben Simmons or Giannis or somebody to, to do the old granny style, you know, and put the ball between their legs and shoot free throws <laughs> that way. But a lot of people don't know this about Spud. Spud, 
you know, you know, people know about the slam dunks, but his last year in the league, he led the league in 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 in, in free throw shooting, ninety three point four percent from the line. Which I mean, yeah. there are a couple guys who could do that now, not that many. And you got guys shooting, you know, they get up there, they get two shots. We're lucky if they hit one of them. What do you make of that spot? Is that people just not working on their game? Because I mean, you were an eighty-something percent free throw shooter your career, but that last year, you really, you know, you, you really turned it on a bit. Is that something people just need to work on and they don't? Yeah, you definitely had to work on it. When I played in Atlanta, my first couple of years, we had a, a assistant coach called Cat named Kathy Russell, and uh, then me and Doc Rivers used to shoot after practice. Uh, Cause he used to tell me, you're going to be on this team. You got to learn to shoot free throws. So we knew doc was going to be a coach when, uh, when, uh, we played with it. But, uh, yeah, uh, people don't know that. Like, uh, in that time that I led the league in free throw shooting, uh, some of the best free throw shooters in the history of the game were playing with, you know, with Larry Bird, Mark Price and Reggie Miller, and those type of guys. So Stockton wasn't uh, a bad free throw Stockton, shooter himself. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I take that as a great honor that, uh, I was trying to get to uh, about 95%, but David Robinson hit me in the nose uh, <laughs> the second to last game, and I missed the free throw because uh, I want I was trying to get as high as I could. I had about 40 in a row at one time, and and uh, that was just a, a goal of mine to uh, shoot in the 90s. And uh, once you get up there, you want to get a little higher. So um, I tell kids at uh, basketball camps or whatever, trivia, what guy – won the slam dunk contest and led the league in free throw percentage. It's a great quiz that nobody knows. <laughs> That's right. It's true. And is that something you work on with the kids now? Is that, I mean, obviously, you know, you work with kids now. So, I mean, is, is it just a repetitive thing? Is it just, hey, you know, time in the gym will work out in the game? And you think the guys who are, are in the game now are just focusing on athletic stuff and, you know, the dunks and, and whatnot and not focusing on that aspect of the game? Well, it has to be stubborn for guys uh, uh, to, you know, make that much money and get on TV and that embarrassing shooting free throws. Uh, you got, I mean, uh, all the money they have, all the time people want to work with people. Uh, I don't see why guys don't find someone to teach them how to shoot free throws or shoot jump shots like Ben. You know, you feel sorry for him because he's so talented and such a good player and so young that you figure somebody can grab a hold to him and, and, and teach him a better way to, to shoot. And if you don't become 50%, shoot at least, you know, 40, 45 percent so that uh, he can help the team because, you know, when you get in the playoff, people are uh, going to bring out the worst in you if you're not, you know, working on your game in the summer to uh, compensate going, doing other things. I and Giannis, it. too. Giannis got to get in there, too. <laughs> That's it. Giannis, if you're listening to this, if you're in the queue to get your cards graded by HGA, reach out to Spud. And you've helped people, right? I mean, not just on not just the G League where you are now, but, um, you know, you helped Nate Robinson, right? I mean, did Nate reach out to you and you know with his dunk content? You were there, right? You were there, you know. He jumped yeah, over the, you, right? Yeah. The funny thing about that is, uh, I had stopped going to dunk contests because I fell in love with golf. So I, you know, I was just out playing golf every day. And uh, you know, uh, Herb Williams was coaching the team. He called me, go, Nate, want you to come to the dunk contest? I'm like, man, I don't go. And then the, the Knicks start calling, like, Nate, want you to come? And uh, he's lucky that uh, that I was in Houston that year. So I just drove down. I suppose I played uh, golf, but it was so cold. So I just called him and say, hey, I'm in town. And uh, and uh, Nate was like, yeah, she'll come, come to the gym. I want to show you what I'm going to do. So we walked in. We went in there like two minutes. And he just took off his jacket and he jumped over me. I mean, the dude didn't even warm up. And he jumped over me like three times and didn't touch me. He said, we're going to do that if I get in the finals. 
but we couldn't wait till the finals because Eagle Dollar was doing some amazing dunks and uh, he had to use me before he got to the finals. Yeah, man. I mean, Goldberg, you like tossing the ball. He jumped over and was pretty crazy. So, so your dunk competition, I read a, uh, a quote from your coach at the time. It was Mike Fratello. And I mean, this could be baloney. You know, there's a million things. This is like the stuff of lore, man. <laughs> so, you know, don't, don't hold me to it. Right. But you know, you know, uh, Mike's not here, so he can't tell me whether he actually said it or not. But, you know, Neek was the uh, he was the defending champ. And, you know, basically the, the way the story goes is that, you know, he never even saw you dunk before, before this competition. And, um, you know, no one knew what you were doing. And, you know, Fratello said you kind of duped him a little bit because, you know, Wilkins was, you know, he's just going to do his normal repertoire, which is enough for any superhuman athlete. I mean, that guy, human highlight reel, talk about earning a nickname but that you kind of sneak up on him a little bit, which I guess is something you've been doing on people your whole life. Is there any truth to that? You kind of like yeah, let it, caught uh, him sleeping a bit? Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, I was, you know, trying, still trying to make the team, uh, stay on the team. And uh, I had twisted my ankle the week before that, but was still playing. No load management back then. Uh, so the night before the dunk contest, uh, I, you know, I thought I'd go somewhere and rest and get ready for the dunk contest, but uh, they called me to be on the Johnny Carson show. And when, you know, you're on the Johnny Carson show, it's like, it's not like 10 shows. When you're on Johnny Carson, you, you didn't made it, right? Everybody wants to be on Johnny Carson. So I did that the night before the dunk contest and then flew to Dallas to do the dunk contest. So I didn't get a chance to practice. So Nick, uh, never seen me uh, dunk before except for, you know maybe in a game one-handed dunk or something i don't think he knew the repertoire dunks that i could do but that kind of i think surprised him but i was glad that uh <laughs> it ended where it did because i know i didn't have any more dunk left and i know he probably had a bunch left <laughs> you emptied you emptied the wardrobe on him right yeah. so and guys <laughs> for the folks listening in hga johnny carson is like the michael jordan so you got your Jimmy Kimmel and 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 Jimmy Fallon now. Those are like your Zion and your Luca. And then you know LeBron was kind of maybe I don't know, Letterman or Leno. Your Carson, that was you made it. You know Carson. People used to yeah. just like block out times. I'm gonna grab my six pack. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna watch Johnny. You know. So that's yeah. you had to do that. No load management, Spud. No, no load management on that. But you, <laughs> there's no way you could turn down Johnny Carson. He's the best. That's the deal. He 100 was. So here's what's funny. I didn't think we'd go here, but you know. To get to that level, you always, you know, my partner here, I never bought it. We watched The Last Dance and, you know, Jordan getting himself amped up for games. You guys at that level, you have a chip on your shoulder, right? You just do, right? It's that you get whatever it is, it's going to challenge you and get you to that, that, that level. And it's funny, we're talking about your free throw shooting. And you say, I would hit 95 cents if David Robinson didn't elbow me. Like, you remember that. You know, like the, all this time later, remember that happening, right? So my question for you is with that chip on your shoulder, you're drafted by the Pistons, right? Mm-hmm. You ever you ever turn it up a little bit when you played the Pistons? Because you didn't actually well, you know you didn't make that team. They didn't stick, right? So well, well they they drafted me. They had about nine hundred rounds. Yeah, they had a hundred guards. <laughs> they had to draft people, so they drafted me. But I never went to I never went to training camp with uh the, the Pistons. So uh, uh before the draft, uh, my agent was telling me that leader the Lakers, the Atlanta Hawks is going to draft me in second round. But you know they tell everybody that probably. So I end up signing with um. Uh, where I thought I had a better chance of making the team was with uh, with Atlanta. And so uh, um, Doc Rivers was hurt uh, at the time, and I think Eddie Johnson was holding out. So me and uh, another, they, the guy they drafted in the second round, which was Cedric Tony, he we had opportunity to play. And I ended up actually starting the first game uh, of my NBA career. So it was the, the first NBA game 
that I ever saw uh, started in. <laughs> well, played in, started in, and scored 18 points and 10 assists. So, uh, you know, just the Pistons, uh, you know, you always had something to go out against them because then, too, you you know, you loved Isaiah Thomas, so you wanted to play well against the best point guard. But uh, uh, the one year I had 18 assists uh, uh, against them in the playoff game, and I think we put them out of one playoff series, and they put us out one. But, uh, you know, you always want to play against a team that uh, didn't get you opportunities. Spud, what was uh... – what was like your, what did you trade on? What was your defining characteristic, right? Like, how were you able to find a niche in the NBA when everyone was so big, so strong? What, what did you go to? What, where, where did you find your edge, right? Because at that level, difference, it's, it's so small. Where were you able to find your edge in your game? Yeah, that, that's funny you, you, you asked that. That's a great question because when you're in training camp, whatever team you're in training camp with, this is what I figured out when I went to the Hawks. We in Charleston, South Carolina, I think in training camp. And I'm like, there's Dominique Wilkins, there's Kevin Willis, you know, you got Tree Rollins, Randy Whitman, you got all Dominique Wilkins, you got Cliff Livingston, Antoine Carr, John Battle, you got all the guys that can score. Doc Rivers, nobody's passing the ball. So I figured if I can pass the ball and, and generate easy shots, it's just, you know, no way they can ignore that. So uh, by the time, you know, uh, about the second or third day, uh, the, the the veterans wouldn't let the uh, other veterans, you know, harass the makers, like bring them newspaper, uh, dumb, uh, donuts to the practice in the morning, uh, make us drive them to training camp. Uh, they stopped letting me do that because I was passing so much to those guys. I guess they had nobody there that was passing the ball before. So uh, that's how I kind of made that niche. They said that niche you had to have and find that niche where you belong. And I figured that creating shots for uh, all that talent Atlanta had uh, got me on the team. I was talking to my dad the other day. Um, and, we, you know, it's one of those fun conversations. He was like, you know, the Bulls, the, the Bulls in 96, could they beat the Warriors of 2016? You know, if you put the Bulls today, would they win? And, you know, outsiders like us, we didn't play in the NBA. We don't know. We're just, we're just talking. But people on the inside, I'm curious, like – I think the question is bigger than that, just the way it's formed. It's what do you make of the style of the NBA today versus the style then? Well, I don't know if uh, Golden State can beat them with the rules that the, the 96 played with. The rules are a little different now and a little easier to score. And, um, and um, you know, you don't like it because it's a lot of jump shots, you know, just pick and roll and jump shots. You really see some plays post up and, things like that, old school type stuff. But, um, you know, you, I, I mean, I, I watch the game every day and every night, but I, I don't like all the three-pointers, you know. But that's what is involved, too. And if you can't shoot three, you won't make the NBA. So you have to, you know, every team is going that way. I don't like a guy drilling 900 times till he get a shot on the pick and roll. I just, I don't like a guy shooting from the logo, even if he make it, because, you know, back in the day, you get pulled out for that shooting the ball that far out, but the game has changed, man, and that's what people want to see, high scoring, and <clears throat> and I take a little credence to uh to the people breaking records and doing all that stuff because you have no centers, you have no power forwards, you can't, you can't elbow, you can't hand check, <laughs> flagrant one if you touch somebody in the face, so it's a little different now, but you know what, I understand that because they get paid so much 
you don't want those guys hurt. And you see what happened when guys get hurt now. Uh, every team can't um, compete because teams are so stacked now. Listen, Spud, I think, and, you know, I'm old enough to remember when you came into the league and I was watching that slam dunk competition myself. I think you played in what I would consider the golden age of basketball. And I'm going to run through a couple a couple names here because, you know, when you started in the mid-80s and played to the end of the 90s, your career span, you got to see the tail end of Kareem, Dr. J. You saw Magic and Bird. You saw Michael Jordan from the very beginning. You saw Dominique. You saw Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, you know, Shaq. And Alonzo Mourning and those guys, and, and you actually traded, I think, once for Christian Leitner. No, I'm not going to put him in there as names of those greats, but, you know, the same draft class as Shaq. Um, and at the very end of your career, you were still in the league when Kobe came in, right? So that is a that is a, a myriad of just, you know, the, the, the top 50 players of, of all time, top 100 players of all time. Who was the best you ever saw while you were playing? Well, Mark Jordan is the best basketball player I've ever seen. Uh, you know, I think what separates star from superstar is the killer instincts. Him, Magic, Bird, uh, those three guys, man, uh, they had killer instincts. I like Patrick Ewing and Akeem, too. David Robinson, I mean, uh, Tim Duncan. But, man, but, but Jordan, Bird, and Magic, that that's just a different level. Those guys uh, uh, wanted to win. Uh, they was good enough to win, and they demanded uh, uh, you, like, uh, guys on your team to hold you accountable. And I think that's what you know, you see in uh, different superstars uh, today. You mentioned Patrick Ewing, right? Yeah. I, and I was a huge Patrick Ewing fan from Georgetown mm -hmm. through the Knicks. I, mean, I live in New York. I got to give credit to one of your teammates. I used to watch every Nick game as a kid in the 80s, right? So I watched every Nick game. And I, I would, like, before there were stats, like, I would track Patrick's got this many points, got this many rebounds. Like, I was, like, doing fantasy against myself. It was pretty mm -hmm. crazy, you know, fantasy before fantasy what's even came out. You know who used to own Patrick Ewing? Maybe because of the wide body? Kevin Willis. And his little baby jump hook. He oh, used yeah. to just beat up on Patrick. He had Patrick's number, that guy. He really did. Crazy uh, stuff. Yeah, Kevin could run the floor real well. That's so he that's got him tired. Sinners. Yeah. Yeah, Sinners can run the floor, power forward. But uh yeah, I, I, I actually uh my my last year I played with Kevin Garnett <laughs> for along with Storm Kareem in, in Kobe's rookie year. So uh yeah, I, I got to see a lot of uh the good uh, talented top fifty guys. Uh, George Gervin, Gus Williams, uh, got the opportunity to play against those two guys because you know you watch them on TV, and, you know, and, and want to emulate, emulate their game. And the most of all, I, I uh, you know, I played against uh, Dr. J because he was my idol growing up. And and uh, you know, once you uh, see a guy like that, you know, you, you try to play like him, but you can't. So, you know, got the opportunity to meet him, and uh, he was more nicer than a person than you expected. Um, from from a superstar athlete. So speaking of Spud, right? So longevity is huge, right? I mean, you get a little success. My 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 co-host here tries to ground me all the time. I'm like, we're the best to what we do. That's it. That's it. We're going to be the best forever. You know, you know. And you get all this, you know, the accolades, success. You hit that. You hit that 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 dunk competition. You won that. Yeah. You you know your 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 fan favorite rookie year. And all of a sudden, you find yourself sponsored by Coke. Church's fried chicken, you know, pony shoes, which were cool. Guys, look them up. I like pony at the time. I had a pair. <laughs> Trust me, I had a pair when I was 10 years old. I had a pair of ponies. Um, Hardee's, Sunkissed, I mean, Chips Ahoy, right? Like, how do you remain level-headed? How do you not let that just go to your head and then just, all right, I, I'm, I'm Spud Webb. I'm, I'm the dunk champ. I'm going to come in next year. I don't have to work as hard. Yeah, uh, you know, when you, when you have uh, parents that worked 
all their life and help a lot of people and humble like that. Uh, I guess it just rubbed off because, uh, you know, once you, uh, my first year, I was like, how could I, you know, help other people? How can I, you know, help other people make it a, a college, a high school or a camp? That's, I, I don't know if that was from my dad always helping somebody or my mom always helping somebody. I figured, how can I help? And that's why Dallas, uh, uh, I grew up in Dallas in the Boys and Girls Club that raised a lot of money from them from uh, doing all that type of stuff, camps and with the pony and chips are hard and the whole works because we get to donate stuff to those, uh, to my community where I grew up. So uh, that, that, that most of all was the best thing about being a professional athlete is helping other people. I mean, God give us the gift to play. And, you know, we're blessed to do that because I know at five seven, no muscles to go out and win a dunk contest. It got to be a gift. So, um, you know, you just try to work hard so uh, so so you can keep it. So you can keep well, I'm a little guy too, Spud. You're a hero to me because I'm yeah. I'm tiny. I'm a little dude. So you're the, you know. you're the little guy in your family. You're, <laughs> you're six foot two fifty. I'm the smallest one muscle. in my family. Got it. <laughs> I'm curious, Spud. You said so. You said. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, they had that killer instinct. Did Shaq have that? Yeah, Shaq had the killer instinct. I I, I mean, I played a couple years against Shaq, but not, you know, the most years when he was in L.A. when we really seen uh, the real Shaq. But, I mean, the year they played uh, uh, Houston in the finals, but Akeem, man, he Akeem went to work that that series. But, uh, yeah, I think Shaq is the most dominated center that I've, you know, seen. Uh, I know Wilt and all those guys, Moses Malone. They had some uh, great stats, but uh, Akeem was different. I, I think you're going to have insight on this that nobody – I've watched ESPN the last week, every every outlet talking about the Sixers, but I think you're going to have a unique perspective on this. I asked that question because as dominant as Embiid is, a center needs a guard to win a championship, right? Right? Because in that last two minutes, the lane gets clogged, and you need perimeter shooting. So you're looking at the Sixers. You're brought in to be the GM. You know Doc Rivers as well as anybody. What do you do? What are your moves? Do you change the culture inside out? Do you bring somebody else in? Yeah, I mean, I mean, every every uh, if you look at all the centers, you can go back on all the championship. All of them had a guard that can get put on the floor and and, and, and do things. Uh, they tried it with Harris a little bit though, uh, but that last play when it, when uh, Embiid got the ball stolen from him, you know, you just just never want to center out there handling the ball like that. Listen, Joker, <laughs> right? Listen, the Joker out there handling it. But uh, when that turnover happened, so because you didn't have that guard, like you know, Shaq had Kobe, and um, you know, Michael to to Curry's to all those. If you look at all those teams, they had a point guard that can take over a team, or a guard that can take over a team away with Miami. So uh, I think you know. If he work on his game this summer, if they don't trade him or, or get other people, uh, that's a hard talent to get off of at 24 years old, but he's going to have to learn to shoot and score. And a lot of people, it's not even going to be talked about, but the play before that, Embiid shot a three. And I was I was thinking, what are you doing shooting follow a three? Because no one's going to be rebounding. Who's going to be grabbing the offensive? A, a fallaway three. three. <laughs> well, yeah. And when you're doing that, there's nobody grabbing the rebound and, and doing a putback. So it's uh, it's – my it's Sixers. I'm a Philly guy. It, I can tell. It's frustrating to watch. Uh, uh, you know, do, guys do that because you go, man. He post up. That's easy two points, a foul. But you know, that's what we've came to. Shooting the threes. 
I'm curious. So a lot of people in the hobby, so just a little bit about sports cards and collectibles. Over the last year, uh, the nostalgia, people my age, you know, I'm 31. I was I collected cards in the 90s. Steve Smith, people don't talk about him. I know you played with him. He was someone I collected for some reason. Uh, but they kind of made a resurgence, right? And a lot of the guys in the hobby are, you know, pivoting from other careers to go and do this full time or try to make it a full time job. You know, talk to me. You know, I'm curious about your upbringing. I'm curious about what Spud Webb was like as a kid that helped him. You know, you mentioned your dad that helped him get to the level of the NBA. Talk well, to us about what was Spud like as a kid. Well, um, you know, I grew up. Uh, I mean. I mean, everybody have their story. I, you know, I, I grew up in the projects, uh, Dallas, and uh, and uh, moved from West Dallas to South Dallas, which is a lateral movement. But I got the opportunity to the uh, guy to take us off the streets and try to teach us different things. Of, I guess he thought we had talent, so he would make sure we go to the boys' club and and try to keep us in sports. But um, you know, I grew up with uh, both both my parents, and they worked hard, and you know, we uh, wasn't three boys, three girls. I'm trying to still trying to little Brady bunch. I'm still trying to figure out uh, where all us slept in that little place. But, uh, you know, you just seen your sisters and brothers and mother them work. And you say, well, I, I, I want to do that. I want to go to school. I want to work. But I only played one year of high school basketball. So <laughs> and uh, ended up going to junior college and winning the National Junior College Championship and ended up at NC State. But but growing up was, uh, was rough because, you know, you just – Try to find somewhere to play basketball. So, you know, wasn't no AAU, wasn't no select, wasn't none of that stuff. So just wherever you they let you play, you played and you walk to the gym or walk to another gym or walk to a park, backyard, you know, just wherever you can play. You just try to go out and try to play against the best competition. I had a buddy that was two years older than me that really kind of took us around to tell us where we're gonna play and who's gonna play and and uh, it was kind of like a mentor to us. Now you're kind of a mentor, right? So you're the, you're the, well, you're a mentor and you run the business. So it's kind of, you have to wear two hats. And I'm curious how you do this, right? So you're president of operations for the Texas Legends, a G League team, but it's affiliated with the NBA. So you see all these young guys, they come in, the games change, they're chucking threes from the logo, Curry. Um, how are you mentoring them? You know, how, how do you play your role? I'm curious. Well, I've, I've been with the Texas Legends for like 11 years now. So uh, Donnie Nelson owned that team. Uh, they sold them to Mark Cuban on the team now. But uh, I just try to, you know, keep keep, keep not only the coaches, uh, you know, like interns, uh, you know, uh, former players that want to come, all of them want to come back, but uh, want to get into coaching. Uh, you know, you help guys go overseas. Uh, then you know the guys that get called back and forward, uh, two-way players from the uh, from the Mavericks, and then guys that get picked up by ten-day contracts. So, um, you know, you just try to tell them what's truth is, you know, because you know every guy I think on the G League uh, think they're ready for the NBA, and I tell them it's a reason why you're here. It's good and bad. It's good that you you're still playing basketball, but it must be something that they want you to see other than scoring. Uh, other than defense that they want to uh, see out of you for you to get picked up. So you have to be uh, very honest with them that uh, so that they can go out and work on their game. If they take it the wrong way, then that's their fault. They don't need that. They don't have the mentality to go to the NBA to be because 
coaches and players are going to test you and the game is going to test you. So, um, you know, you just try to get them ready for, for, for that moment. Some of the guys that you have will go be tough minded because they didn't play it overseas. They played in different countries. So they kind of tough, but you know, the ones that are coming out of college is the one that you got to really grab because they've been pampered and, 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 uh, and, uh, just not tough, tough on enough to, um, to make it sometime. But have you ever seen any of your cards? You ever seen any of your basketball cards? I mean, where where folks are listening to this, watching this while they're in a queue trying to get their cards graded by HJ. You ever see any of your stuff? Uh yeah. Uh, every time when some come across it, and uh, people, my my buddy Ryan, he so I see your card, your card, and I cut it on it, cut it on here, cut it on. <laughs> and I say, man, if you get it, you get it. I get it to my grandson or something like that there. But uh, um, he gets stuff from uh, um, Panini to give to my grandson. He gets stuff. Like uh, the rookie cards, Fleer and all that boy. Yeah, real back to get How, That's a cool card. <clears throat> yeah, right there. The, everybody bring that card for me to sign. I like. Well, uh, I don't know which one is uh, the first rookie card, but that's that's the one everybody have. That's it. That is the card. I mean, look at you. And so what's funny about it is, you know, folks watching this who are in the hey, he's a, Spud, Spud's on the way up on that one too. He got. He probably oh, yeah. got up to his oh, elbow. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that's what I tell everybody. His head's gonna hit the rim. <laughs> it looks sort of like Jordan's card. I think. I think you know. I like this dunk a little better than the Jordan card. I put them next to each other. I like the spud dunk better. Well, that was off two feet. You know Sorry, what's funny? Um, just to you know, you mentioned Panini. Just to talk about like you know the kids who are in the more modern stuff now. 1920 mosaic. Andrew has a Jam Masters set, is what it's called, right? And your icons in that. Your Dr. J has a card. It's got some of the guys who are, you know, in, in NBA history, some of the greatest dunks. You can pull one up, show Spud. You made that set. You're in the the, the, uh, the 1920 Mosaic Jam Masters set. I, I, I think somebody told me that. My buddy Ryan, he watches the shows all the time, and uh, he called me and told. I think he told me about that. It's a pretty cool, cool card. card. Mm -hmm. See the card, yeah. So I mean, it's yeah. There you go. Look at you, Jam yeah. Masters. I mean, that's pretty fancy. Number looking. one cage too. Yeah, it's pretty fancy looking compared to. Well, they did it in height order, Spud. So don't get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they did it. It's like it's like class picture time. You know, that's, that's what they did. But yeah, I mean, like you know, so so here you are. It's it's 1986. You know, we're talking about 35 years later, and they're making cards with you still. So it's pretty that's pretty cool. Yeah, people like like man, uh, people still come up to you and, and people ask you to sign cards. I say, hey, must have, you must have done something right. If, if, if they don't come up to you and talk to you, ask to sign the cards, that means you were sorry. <laughs> so, so uh, what I find funny is I see, I look online, I see cards of, of you signed in your uh, in your Kings, you know, in your Sacramento uniform. I, I guess you know, I guess you had some fans in your time in Sacramento as well. Yeah, it's uh, funny that uh, you say that about Sacramento Kings. You know, I never had. Um, Sacramento Kings jersey and a guy just gave it to me uh like this year because everybody come up with the Atlanta Hawk the slam dunk you know jersey but uh now I finally have a Sacramento King jersey in my house <laughs> after all the years <laughs> that's funny I keep a business card from every job I have you 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 can hang your jersey up on the wall it's a little different <laughs> that's awesome you, you know what I think Cage uh why why this class gets so much love is people don't realize the 1980s and early 90s like i love the history of basketball it wasn't the nba of today it wasn't that big of a sport the salaries weren't that big the endorsements weren't that big and not just the talent but the personalities and i think what you guys did really well is you kind of built a fraternity the nba has a bit of a fraternity vibe to it where the players take care of each other now 
Right. And I think those classes, I call them classes, but like those decades put the NBA on the map that it is today, a multi-billion dollar organization now. Yeah, when, when you know, Bird and Magic, then Jordan took over, you know, those guys uh, uh, kind of like saved uh, personalities came out, you know. Mm-hmm. Usually, uh, you know, the NBA was just hard playing, uh, rough guys in the 70s till the personalities of Magic and Larry Bird in the 80s and Michael Jordan just took off with it. And, and when, uh, you know, uh, Shaq and, and, and Kobe and those guys came along, they just and LeBron just ran with it like no other. So uh, hopefully, you know, the young guys can keep it, keep it going. I mean, Steph Curry, we love him. Um, so, you know, hopefully young guys is coming along can can learn from what these guys are doing, the Durants, and, and, and play like them and work on their game so that you can keep keep going forever. We won't keep you too, too much longer, but I, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you. The Hawks, you know, the team that you are most associated with, they're in the playoffs and they're making a pretty deep run. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of their chances? What do you think? Oh, I, I love it because, uh, you know, I wish uh, Radish and, uh, and Hunter was healthy. That, that would make it really tough because you have more bodies for Milton and, you know, but uh, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they can pull it out. I'd definitely be pulling for them. Uh, My partner here, Andrew, he's a huge Cam Radish fan. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to be pulling for him hard. I didn't pull out my jersey and everything tonight. When my buddies come over to uh, watch the game, we'll sit around and uh, smoke cigars and watch the game. So uh, hopefully uh, I get a victory cigar. <laughs> you have a, I'm, a you have Mc- I'm, I'm a Nate McMillan fan because he took this team at a really tough spot. And I think they were like 10 and 20. I can't remember their exact record. Like he put it, yeah. And then 26 and 11 after that, took him to the Eastern Conference Finals. He deserves some credit. And he did that with the Pacers before. A lot of people forget the success he had with that team. So he's my, he's the true champion in my eyes. Yeah, me and, me and Nate was the backcourt in the NC State, so I'm really, you know, it's a double. Oh. I'm a double pull for, uh, you know, the Hawks at night because Nate is a good friend too. So uh, I'm glad he's doing a good job, and hopefully uh, the Atlanta Hawks give him deserving contract. You know, with, with a young team, and I was going to ask you about this. This is a perfect segment. He, he has that calm demeanor, you know, that stoic demeanor. We've been here. You you break that. Like, I, I, I could chill. I could just talk to you all day. because it's that. Calm. And when you have young guys, it's nervous, right? They've never been on that spotlight. The Hawks had four national championships, nationally televised games this year. And now they're every single game. is. So yeah. it, it's it's very important to have that demeanor, I believe. Yeah, I think Nate, had, uh, during his coaching years, man, a lot of guys respected him so much, like Coach K and, and all those guys would take him to the Olympics and to the U.S. Uh, tryouts and all that. So he learned a whole lot of demeanor, how to how to uh, have older and younger guys, and how to relate to the young guys. Because you have to be able to relate to the young guys these days. They'll still probably run you crazy. But so Nate has caught on to that, and uh, you know he knows the game. He's been around it forever and coaching. So um, I don't, you know, I'm just so happy for him. And hopefully get another contract. Then I can go to Atlanta and. And uh, watch more games. <laughs> Assistant coach. I, Assistant coach. No, 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 no coaching for me. <laughs> oh, Coaches right. get fired. I'm a front office guy. Coaches get fired. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. He's like, think bigger, Cage. Think bigger. Think higher. Don't sound me so short. <laughs> <laughs> I have two last questions. I want to hear an inside story on the 92 Dream Team. Can you give us something on that team that we haven't heard? Because I, 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 I want footage of that practice. Nothing? Nothing. I, I mean, you know, 
the guys sit around, they don't talk about that much, that dream team. Because only thing, you know, you, you look at it, you go, you know, they didn't use one time out. And, you know, you'd be like, what? They didn't use one time out. That's the only thing I remember. But well, most of the time when we're sitting around um, uh, uh, golf tournaments or charity events, the guys sitting around rubbing each other like, like we wasn't there. It's uh, stories that you can't tell. <laughs> the Dallas Mavs. I mean, they found Luca. Luca's a generational talent. Um, now they have maybe the two best positions available in, in the whole NBA. You got a, a front office position, Spud, Spud, looking at you, and they have a coach in position. What do you see for the future of the Mavs? Well, definitely uh, they're going to have to find somebody to play along with uh with, with Luca, I, I mean, I wouldn't give up on uh, uh, KP that soon. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're going to have to find somebody to go around. they got to find some shooters around him, too, if they're going to play that type of basketball that kind of like James Harden 2.0 they playing. They're going to have to get some shooters around him. But, uh, um, you know, hopefully they find a good general manager and hopefully, you know, find a good coach that can come in and relate to the young guys. And I think that's important. Can you give us your prediction for the NBA champion this year? Oh, man, that's going to be tough. Uh, you know, you like to see Chris Paul win it because he's fought so hard over the years. Uh, you, 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 I, I would like to see him win it. But if my Hawks going to go there, you know, I'm going to have to pull for the Hawks. So. But the, the Milwaukee is a tall uh, task uh, for, for Atlanta because I think Giannis is real, real hungry. And, uh, and, he, and then, you know, Bad as he shoot free throws, I like how hungry and how dedicated he is to playing so hard to try to win. As just last question, I apologize. As a front office guy or as a coach, if you could put your coaching hat on, do you want someone like Giannis who's shooting threes but making maybe three out of thirty, or do you want someone like Ben Simmons that knows his game and and anywhere in between those two, you know? Because no, Giannis- he wants to play with no three pointers. He wants a three pointer no, taken I, out of the game. No, I, I, I would play with Giannis. I would play with Giannis uh, before that. Before that, but I mean, the ideal guy is definitely Durant because he does a lot. But I mean, you know, LeBron at the end. But uh, Anthony Davis is the one that you know, the talent that you say, man, he got to do better than that. I love it. I, I we've had uh, we've had some amazing guests. Spud, as an NBA fan, this is truly a pleasure. Um, good luck next season. I appreciate you joining us uh, for the show today. It means the world. Thanks for us. having me. Thanks, Spud. Yeah, good luck too. Good yes, luck sir. out there on the golf course, man. Good luck. Oh, I'm gonna need it. My game is terrible right now. <laughs> this episode of Lucas Tigers and Bronze was brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um... Do us a favor and like, subscribe. Ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.